You are listening to the Inside Out Podcast. Brent Kimball and Michael Anderson discuss all things living the gospel with those inside of the family of God and bringing the gospel to those outside of the family of God. Let's live Inside Out. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 102 of the Inside Out Podcast. I'm here as always with Brent, back after a week hiatus. I, sh- I should say I'm back after a week hiatus, and it is it is getting into that time of year, that special time. Fall is not just in the air, but it has arrived. How are you feeling about that? I'm excited about it. I really like it. Funny, I had a coat on this morning. That's, I think, the first like real coat, not just a little sweatshirt, you know, light, thin, light little jacket, but mm-hmm. I put an actual coat on this morning. Of course, it's off now right it's warmed up but yeah fall is definitely in the air right and we're really glad about that uh yeah for sure i was in the high desert mm-hmm. in oregon and it's you know up here it's sweatshirt in the morning you take it off at this time of day because the sun is out and shining and i would do i'd go on some runs in the morning and it was 34 degrees and so i was freezing um, almost almost literally freezing and then later in the same day, I, it was I was like scorchingly hot because it went up to eighty degrees. Yeah, and I was hiking around in the afternoon sun. Like it's a little more extreme there than it is here. So that's one of the reasons I'm thankful to be in the Northwest. Is, sure, is because it's a little bit more of a moderate climate. It is yes, and it's certainly moderate compared to what uh, the people in the complete opposite side of the country are experiencing right now. The Floridians have been getting hammered by Hurricane Ian. Is it Ian? I can't I haven't been paying attention. Uh-oh. I should be. Yes. I should well, be paying attention to these near things. Near category five, it was like a five hundred year flood according to the wow. governor. Wow. It's a really a serious situation. A lot of destruction. Serious stuff. Yeah. Well um I want to share something really quick that happened when I was away. And uh, one of the things that we we want to do here as a church is go all out for kids and teens. And so part of that is uh, teaching our children scripture on a regular basis. And so with that as the background for what uh, Cassie Hart, our kids team lead, strives to do, we were, uh, during our vacation, I had picked up this uh, Bible story book we haven't used yet. We actually got it at our T4G conference um, back in April. And so I thought, hey, this is a new book. We'll break it out and use it. And I flipped open to the story about the golden calf in Exodus and what follows when God shares his name for the first time in Exodus 34. And so we're going through this entire story, and it uh, quotes Exodus 34, Uh, five through eight and so I start reading it and I'm sitting there reading the passage from the Bible the Lord the Lord great merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness and as I start reading that all my children say the whole entire thing along with me and I was just like you know we're reading the Bible regularly as a family but it caught me off guard and I was reading and looking at my wife and we were just both kind of laughing because that was one of their memory verses 
that uh, they go over on a regular basis. And so, in fact, we were going to miss uh, two Sundays in a row. Um, and when we let our kids know that, they were a little bit distraught. Like, we can't miss two Sundays in a row. We're going to miss out on on learning these Bible verses. So it was like it was just super cool to to hear that from them and and to see uh, not just how passionate they are about gathering with with their friends and uh, at City Point Kids, but but learning Scripture as well. And so kudos to Cassie and her team for instilling that passion in the lives of of young people. Yeah, that's so good. That's what a delight to have that at that moment too. Those uh, boys chiming in, quoting the Lord's description of Himself. Pretty awesome. I had a conversation. I know our City Point Kids is uh, diligently uh, teaching kids uh, the the uh, scriptures and and helping them memorize and encouraging them to memorize them and. Uh, of course, the Awana program does this does the same. And I had a conversation with uh, one of the Awana teachers the other day about how eager one of the kids was, and they like went through all of their books, three years worth of books in one year, and they're like, "What do we do now?" And uh, <laughs> so it was like that, that's just so cool that these kids are eager to um, they could rattle off just um, lots of scripture, getting it hopefully deep down in their hearts as well as in their minds. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and we need to do the same. We need to be diligent about getting, being um, knowledgeable about the Bible. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so we had a we had a great great time away. And as always, it's good to to have that rhythm of, of rest time. But I can't lie to you. I was really really missing out on being able to gather and be a part of the reasonable answers sermon series like there was definitely this twinge of oh man like i want to be sitting in the gathering right now both sundays that i was gone um and so i'm not gonna let you get off the hook this past sunday i've got questions from from Mm. the sermon okay whether anybody else has these questions is irrelevant right now because i have the questions and i have the microphone so uh this this past uh sunday um we had the question i'm gonna paraphrase you have to be out of your mind to trust the Bible. Mm. Is that yeah, kind of that's a, not even a question? That's a statement. Yeah, but more yeah. of the statement. Um, the topic of the credibility and reliability of the Bible. Yes. 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 And so, one of the things you mentioned in your sermon is the fact that there are critics who vehemently attack the validity of the Bible. Sure. And in your mind, you brought it up. You brought it up a little bit in your sermon, but why do you think that that is something that is attacked so vigorously? I'll answer that question with something that I uh, referenced in the first week of this series. Uh, somebody that I've been promoting, an apologist by the name of J. Warner Wallace, Cold Case Christianity. Um, I've listened to enough of his stuff and read enough of his stuff and seen his um, credentials. I. I wouldn't say that I'm going to ascribe to everything that he said, but everything that I've heard him say, I am um, I'm a fan of. And uh, he's he's a sound apologist for uh, for the things of God, and I'm and I'm grown to appreciate him. And one of the things, uh, what he said was, and this is what I referenced, I think it was in the first week, 
that people have, um, there's one of three objections uh, that's a response to why they are, what you're asking, opposed to the Bible being the Word of God, right? That's the question. Is the Bible the Word of God? And he says that, that some people have a, have a rational objection, some people have an emotional objection, and some people have a volitional objection. On the rational side, he says that, they, um, that they've heard some things and they don't, haven't been able to reconcile those things with um, a, a study of, of Scripture or, or, the, um, or to back up that data. They, they've just heard, you know, like one of the big arguments is the Bible's full of contradictions. Well, that's, that's not true. Um, but it's said often enough that people believe it. And, you know, one of the things that you always want to say is, well, could you show me one? Because most of the people who say the Bible's full of contradictions couldn't point one out. Mm -hmm. But let's say they do. Then you, could, then you could talk them through helping them to understand how that is not a contradiction. It is some, simply, uh, it, can, it can have a rational explanation to it. So their rational objection could be done away with because you've given them a reasonable answer. Mm -hmm. On the emotional side, uh, people have emotional objection because they've been hurt, uh, they've seen hypocrisy on the part of those who say the Bible is the Word of God and I believe it, but then they act in a way that is them, they themselves are a contradiction to what they mm -hmm. claim they believe. And so they're allowing that person to hold them up. They're allowing their hurt or the hypocrisy to keep them from the truth. Um, and so, of course, helping to uh, be empath being empathetic or sympathetic and then helping that person work through that could be helpful. But as Jay Warner Wallace says, the bulk of people that have an objection would probably have a, have a volitional objection. The fact is... They don't want it to be true. Mm. And they object to it um, because they don't want to change. The Bible uh, confronts you at the very core of who you are. Mm -hmm. The Bible calls you to come to terms with the one true God. It calls you to come to terms with the fact that you have, you and all people have failed him miserably and that we're accountable mm -hmm. and we don't want to be accountable we want to be our own god we want to call the shots we want to make the rules and we want to change and flex those things uh however we need to in order to accommodate our whims and our wishes and so the volitional argument is just it's it's a denial of um of that truth because they people just simply don't want to contend with um, with what the Bible says. Now, yeah. yes, with what, it, Bible, with what it actually says. Yeah, right? what it actually yeah. says. And uh, so, yes, you, you have to come to terms with who God is, who you are, um, and that you're accountable. But but then you have to come to terms with the with the furtherance of that story, right? The story doesn't end with that. Just that. Okay, you're accountable, and then that's it, mm -hmm. and therefore you're doomed. It also means you have to come to terms with the the kindness of God that is expressed to us in the gospel 
and that he's he has he has done everything necessary to reconcile us to himself so that we are fully acceptable to him not based on our efforts but but based upon his efforts and everything that he's done for us in Christ and so that's the part where people miss it but again that requires a repentance uh, that requires a, a, a faith and a trust a lack of self-dependence and, an, and, a, uh, and a, uh, a dependence upon Christ so so I think that I think that that is in large part a I think maybe not a comprehensive answer to why do people object to or why do they oppose the Bible um, people that people that simply yeah I could go back I'm just thinking now I'm thinking out loud as they say and is there is there anything to somebody saying I I have read the Bible um, and I simply reject it as the Word of God that doesn't fall into one of those three categories relational emotional or volitional hmm. because if, if, if they if they really do think that it's that it's not truly the Word of God then I point them back to the rational the, that, that's a rational objection and they they should continue to study because there's a lot of really compelling evidence for it being what you know like i said on sunday we have what god said we can be confident even if we couldn't even if we couldn't um articulate it in a way like you know i, I used a, a sean mcdowell as a quick little video clip sean mcdowell has a phd in apologetics it's what he does he's a university professor He's a national and international speaker. He says the same thing. He studied it diligently. He has his material down by heart. And so, you know, you, you could say, well, Sean McDowell, you could put him in the room with anybody who is opposed to the Bible on various terms, and he could defend the validity of the Bible. Now, most people couldn't. Most people uh, would have a difficult time with that. Uh, but, as I said in my sermon, we, even if we couldn't defend it to, you know, say some aggressive, educated, agnostic or atheist, we, could, we still can have confidence that what we have is what God said. Mm. We can study it out well enough to go, I'm confident that we have what God said. And then, as I, as I said in my, in, in, in my sermon on Sunday, that we, we not only have what God said, we have all that God said. Mm -hmm. What we have, what we call the Bible, is what God has said. And it's, it's all that he has said, we have the mind of God as he's revealed himself to us in the scriptures. Yeah. And, um, and so, that, so then we can say all that God has said is authoritative. That was the other part of my, other part of my message, if I'm remembering correctly. And so, um, so I, don't, I don't know... If somebody could oppose, I'm just again thinking out loud. I don't know if somebody could oppose the the Bible as the Word of God, object to it being authoritative over their life for reasons other than that it's a, a rational, emotional, or volitional objection. Can you think of something? 
not off the top of my head. I'm not as fast as you are. It takes me a long time to process these things. So I, I think that it's so fascinating to me um, that when, when we look at just the plain hard facts of the matter, it feels like it's easy to come to a decision on it. So I can see why most people reject it um, from the volitional is because they don't want to believe that it's yeah. that it's true. Yeah. Um, when you look at, and I don't want to get off into a rabbit trail here, but if we were to look at, uh, like, the Quran was downloaded to Muhammad all at once at the same time. So that's to one person. If we look at the Book of Mormon was imparted to one person at one time, and that's kind of that tradition move forward from there. The Bible, you have this progressive revelation that you introduced your sermon, and there's 66 books, and there's around 40 authors and 1,500 years yeah. from different cultures and and classes and languages, and you're just going, how in the world yeah. did this ever manage to come together to create this cohesive story? Yeah. And there's to me, there's one answer to me. Unless it's, God superintended it. Yeah. 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 So... As you you mentioned multiple examples in your sermon, and I'm I'm curious about you personally here, um, but I want to know what gives you confidence in the authenticity of the Bible. So you personally, and I want to put this this kind of caveat in there. Apart from the testimony of Jesus, because mm-hmm. you mentioned that in your sermon, that's a that's a big deal. Um, you know, but apart from that. What's the one thing that you would say gives you the most confidence? And it might not be one thing. It might be a couple things. Yeah. So it's a qualified answer because there is the, there's presuppositional argument and then there's external, a presuppositional evidence and then there's external evidence. So some of what I, what I was talking about on Sunday in trying to establish the 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 necessity for us to grasp that the the Bible, what the Bible says about itself is how I was wording it, that it's important for us not trying to establish circular reasoning, um, but to establish that if if the Bible doesn't say it's the Word of God, that it's without error, that it's binding, that it's authoritative. If the Bible doesn't say that, then we are out of bounds to place that sort of um, weight on the Bible, but the Bible does say that. So that's kind of that, it's it's kind of that um, internal evidence. The Bible claims this of itself. It claims to be the Word of God. And so that is probably my greatest source of confidence, but if the caveat is, but it's, but I can say that Having, um, having looked enough into the external evidence to believe, to have a, a, a solid trust that, that God really has superintended the, both the inspiration of his word and the preservation of his word. Mm. Right? And so, and even as I let off, let, uh, as I closed out last week, it, as I said, uh, on Sunday, if, if there is a God, as described the prior week, that exists, that he's the creator God, that he's all-powerful, 
that he transcends, he's, he's outside of time and space, and he's not uh, physical, he's, he's, he's an immaterial God, and, and, and he is personally and actively involved in, in the, not just the creation, but the sustaining of this world, all of those things that we establish under the existence of God. If that God exists, it's not absurd to think that he would want to communicate with the, with the pinnacle of his creation, human, human beings, uh, who were created in his image, that he would want to communicate with them. And because he is a communicating God, uh, and he created by his word, it's not absurd to think that he would communicate, and in, in creating humans as uh, image bearers, he's created them to communicate. Mm -hmm. Right, like intelligently, yeah. To, to not just like to howl and have other humans understand what that howl means and come to dinner, yep. or you know, to mm -hmm. uh, to bark or to you know let squeaks out like dolphins, and all of that's really good and pretty intelligent, but mm -hmm. it's nothing compared to the intelligence, the ability to ration, ration, rationalize the intellect of humans is so far beyond anything in the rest of the quote animal kingdom that we go that God who created us in his image, created us to communicate, it's not absurd to think that he would communicate with us. Mm -hmm. And since he created by speaking, it's not absurd to think that he would communicate with us using words. Yeah. Right? Right. And so it's it's it, these are not great big leaps. Uh, they're not they're not unbased um uh, they're not unbased blind faith statements, but they are faith statements. Why? Like I believe in God, and I, I think that that's given the evidence. I think it's rational to say I believe in God. Mm -hmm. When you look at when you look at all the evidence and then try to say there isn't a God behind this, as like I could go back to you know the the. Uh, uh, teleological uh -huh. uh, arguments and the cosmological arguments and all of those things and, and and I look at the evidence and I go if 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 you look at the evidence and then try to say there is no God that's not even rational if you there's too many gaps there's too much there's that those are huge leaps mm -hmm. to think that this could all be accidental okay so back to the Bible <laughs> I know I'm, I'm a little rabbit trail there but this is such a profound um, Topic. Right. So my my confidence in the internal claims of the Bible, which really are what fortify my faith, what the Bible says about itself, um, are substantiated, um, and I find you know encouraging, heartening, however you want to say that, by having looked enough into the external evidence to say, I I think we have what God said mm. that. Um, yeah, I mean, you you want to? I know you weren't actually trying to say uh, other than Jesus. It's like that's the that's the kind of the under understatement of the he's he's the one who's validated um, most certainly the Old Testament. He he called the Old Testament the scriptures that could not be broken. They are the word of God, mm -hmm. and Jesus attested to their inspiration. All of those things, um, and so along with that, when you look at as I was talking on Sunday, things like the credibility of the authors and that, you know, often we're just reading it and we don't realize what's being said, but these authors were aware that 
that they were being used by God in this way, mm -hmm. you know. And so I think there's other parts to it that I couldn't even get into on Sunday. There's too much content for a shorter period of time, yeah. you know, a single message. But, you know, when, when Peter references Paul in his writings and says Paul's writing scripture, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's the apostolic authority of Peter affirming the apostolic authority of Paul and um, and and this is what Jesus said would take place, right? When he mm -hmm. said, the Spirit is going to lead you into all truth. He's going to remind you of everything that I've said. And then you've got Paul, who's quoting, uh, who's who quotes both the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, and Luke in the same sentence and calls it the Word of God. This mm -hmm. is the Word of God, the Scriptures, right? And so he's saying that Luke's account of the Gospel is at least on par with the book of Deuteronomy, which Jesus affirmed, right? All of mm -hmm. those things are like, it's really, I think it's really powerful. And um, and so when you've got, I think some of this external evidence with regard to, you know, the, the, the reality that that early church, um, which was which was beautiful in lots of ways and imperfect in their other ways because it's, you know, made up of humans. Mm -hmm. um, but, the, but the historical, record I think is clear at this point that it wasn't like I mentioned on Sunday the Council of Nicaea that that made the New Testament but that that the bulk the super majority of the New Testament books and letters were recognized as authoritative upon ha been being written I mean mm -hmm. from the very beginning this was understood to be uh, a commandment from God mm -hmm. a, a word from God and so um, yeah, I think, and then you look at the, you look at the, you know, the textual criticism and start putting that together. And, and I, I, I think, yeah, is there a single answer? No, because I've talked for 10 minutes about trying to give an answer, but, um, I think we have what God said. I believe, I believe that yeah. thoroughly, uh, confidently, and I believe we have all that God said and the natural, the natural uh, uh, what do you product of that would be to say, yeah, if, if, if we have what God said and it's all that God said, then that what He said is authoritative, mm -hmm. right? That it's binding to mm -hmm. us. So, well, let me ask, that answer your question. That answers my question. But let okay. me ask. Let me ask you another question. That you're, you're. This is off the cuff, so you may not have an answer for this. But but you're you're giving an answer for right now. Um, so you're 30, 30 plus years into your walk with Christ as somebody who came to faith as a young man. Yeah. Like, was there a moment when you were, maybe it was before your conversion, maybe it was after your conversion, where you're reading the Bible and you just, you kind of went, this makes sense, I I believe this, like, you, the cohesiveness of it came together, was there a moment like that? This is a really good question, Michael, because, because a critic or a skeptic would not necessarily buy my answer. They would not give much, any weight to it, if any at all. But the internal conviction that the Bible brings, mm. even to a person who's unaware that it's happening, is some somewhat. Uh, it's valid, right? Mm -hmm. So here's that's part of my story. Okay. And yes, it's anecdotal, but here's the reality. My story is not just my story. It's the story of millions of people. So I, when I was, uh, I don't even think, maybe I was just about 19, maybe just like toward the end of my 18th year of life, 
Jessie, who's now my wife, uh, for 31 years, um, gave me a Bible, and I did not know what that was. I mean, I knew what a Bible was, but I didn't know what the Bible was, mm -hmm. right? And um, and it was a it was a New American Standard Bible, and I I didn't know hardly what to do with it, but my um, I've always been studious, at least somewhat studious, and I've almost always had a hard time sleeping. So those two those two okay. things were in my favor, uh, at least at that point in my life, because I would lay in bed and read the Bible. And uh, for some reason, I started reading the Gospel of John. And I, I think the re here's the reason why I think it was, and, I, and I've shared this story before, but just for the sake of closing the gap here, not too long before this, I was watching a football game with my dad. Mm -hmm. And I was 18 years old, and back in those days, there was always somebody with a rainbow uh, wig on, great big Afro rainbow wig. Uh, back then, the rainbow didn't mean what it means now. Yep. And um, and he would he was he'd be like in the uprights of the stadium, and he'd have a big sign that says John three sixteen. And obviously, probably not the same guy at every game, right? Mm -hmm. There's like this some, some some sort of a weird campaign yep. going on. And I finally asked my dad, and I know I used choice language about that, <laughs> and said, "Who's the you could fill in the blank guy?" Um, who's the guy with the sign and who's John? I remember saying, who's John? <laughs> and my dad said to me, I think that's from the Bible. And wow. I was like, huh, okay. That's, that's, uh, I, okay. Now that goes to show you how ignorant I was that um, just uninformed, probably the most famous, popular um, passage of Scripture in the entire Bible is John 3.16. Mm -hmm. And I, as an 18-year-old, red-blooded American, did not know that was in the Bible. Yeah. Wow. That seems crazy for, I mean, that seems crazy, but that was my life, right? Yeah. That was it. Right. So then, fast forward a couple months, I get this Bible. And I'm like, huh, I found the book of John. And I'm like, I'm going to read about John. I don't mm -hmm. even know what I'm reading. All this, other than that I start, as I start reading it, I start realizing I'm reading about the life of Jesus. Yeah. And this is the part that, that a skeptic or a critic would maybe try to slough off or discount. But something was happening in my life. Wow. While I was, man, while I was reading that book, that was, um, it was transforming me before I was even a Christian. Jesse yeah. could, wow. if you talked with Jesse about it, she would, she has, I've heard her say this, Brent was changing right before my eyes. Now, I didn't make a commitment to Christ. That would have been in the fall of 1990. I didn't make a commitment to Christ until early in 1991. I celebrated on March 1st, um, but I don't know the exact date. I mm. just know it was early in 1991. But that book, as I was reading it, was changing my life. There was, a, there was an inherent power to what I was reading that was transforming my soul. And 
like you talked about, was there a moment where the lights just came on? Or I don't know if there was a moment, but the lights just kept coming on. Yeah. It was. It, it was, was on a dimmer. It, <laughs> maybe a dimmer switch, and it was just like you know that's like Proverbs four, right? The the first gleam of dawn, and it's yeah. getting ever brighter till the full light of day. Um, but that was that was one of so so early in my walk with Christ and coming to Christ, and early in my walk with Christ, I didn't. I don't think I ever even doubted mm-hmm. that the Bible was the Word of God. Partly because I I just took it by faith. Mm-hmm. And partly because I, even though I didn't quite understand what was taking place, you know, like we studied earlier in the summer, we studied through First and Second Thessalonians, and Paul talks to the Thessalonians in in uh, in his first letter there, and he talks about how he brought to them the word of the Lord, and they accepted as it really was, not as a word from man, but as it really was the word of the Lord, the word of God, which is at work within you. Right? Mm-hmm. The Word of God works in us as we, as we internalize it, as we get it into our souls, which uh, I, I couldn't have fully articulated, but I knew that it happened to mm-hmm. me. It, not, it happened and was happening. And so, and so I didn't even, I didn't even, I don't remember having any sort of doubts like, is this really the Word of God sort yeah. of a thing? I just, I, I kind of, I believed it had faith that it was true, but I just kind of knew it. And, um, and so then, as I continued to uh, walk with Jesus and learn his ways and learn the Bible, then of course, I've got people in my life who are doubters or critics or, or skeptics. And so then they would, they would say derogatory things or, or question you know, my trust in the Bible which caused me to then want to learn, um, which at that point I wouldn't have said, I need to study apologetics, right? <laughs> right. I would have just been like, man, I gotta find an answer for this because mm-hmm. I don't know the answer. And, um, and so over the course of time, I think I fortified my faith, my trust in the, in, the, in the validity of the Bible, the credibility and reliability of the Bible mm-hmm. over time as I've looked into it. And the reality is the more I look into it, the more confident I am. Yeah. And that's why I challenge people. Unless you're just a hardcore doubter, hardcore atheist, agnostic, which, you know, how many of those people have come to faith in Christ, yeah. right? Because they dug in. But I think the, the majority of people, if they truly if they truly wanted to dig in to to learn, if they were truly learners, they would they would themselves go, wow, there's a there's a strong case for this book that we call the Bible. There's mm-hmm. a strong case for saying this is the word of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we oftentimes are so influenced by the by the vocal minority. Uh, and we think that they speak for anyone who is uh, an unbeliever and not a Christian. And I, I, I was reading this morning a story of a missionary who... Uh, was was uh, sharing with a family who had fled behind the Iron Curtain back in the middle of the 20th century, and they're hearing the gospel for the first time. He's sharing it with them, and they're just like, I, "If we would have known this earlier, like it would have changed everything for us." And and I was just, it was just reading that and and just kind of sitting on it and, and pondering it, going, "Man, I feel like that's that's where so many people in our culture would have that same reaction." Um, 
and to where you know we we hear many of the times the most combative voices in our culture. Um, the people who speak the loudest oftentimes get the most attention. But there's so many people who who are in the position that you were in. Who go? Who's Who's John? Who's Who is this guy? I mean, we've had people we've we've invited to the church building who, when everybody stood up for musical worship, like they didn't didn't know what was going on is this a concert what's happening you know we we had those conversations with them and i just think that's so powerful that we have we want to be we want to be diligent we want to be studious we want to have these 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 reasons but when we share our story there's just something that's that's powerful about that and and just going through the book of john and it transforms you yeah word by word line by line paragraph by paragraph so thanks for thanks for sharing that story that was a that I'm was encouraged. a good story or a good not a good story. Hopefully, it's a good story. It's a really <laughs> good question because that's an element that I didn't even touch on, but that is a valid apologetic, mm-hmm. um, and, and um, not just because it's my story, but because it's the, it's the actual experience of millions and millions yeah. of people um, from the beginning. Yeah, and so that's it. That was. That's helpful. I hope, and I think that people even listening um, can. There's probably a lot of people in our vast listening audience who themselves would say, "Yeah, I maybe can't put words to it, but there's something very powerful about um, reading uh, reading the Bible." Mm-hmm.